I need to say no, because mm-hmm. when I do, it allows me to operate better in my integrity. It allows me to do what it is that I feel is important. Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. You know, today I'm really welcoming you to the podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper, and say good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody. You know the story. I welcome you all. I love to hear from you. Thank you for the messages that you send us. We are just elated by it all. You cannot know how satisfying it is to hear from you. Today, we've been wrestling with this idea of rebuilding a relationship, particularly at work but also anywhere, you know, you and your, your friend, your best friend suddenly have a something and all of a sudden you realize that you probably haven't talked in a few weeks, maybe a month. You've got a relative that you don't even know why you don't talk to them anymore. And you used to be so close. You don't talk or at work, something happens and trust is broken and you still have to work with this person, but you can feel your body just tensing up every time they're with you. And you know it's because you can't trust them. Something has happened and the trust is gone. So today's podcast is really around something that I think is important as we move from being, you know, maybe hybrid or we've been in workspaces that haven't always been kind to us because of the circumstances that we've been in. And now it's time to go back into the workplace after we've been locked away for two and a half years or Things are trying to get back to normal, and we don't know what normal is, and it just feels like we're off kilter. Well, that's our conversation today. And guess what? You're listening to Denise Cooper and the end of my once-a-month conversation with Pam Richardson. Well, all you guys know, if you've been listening, Pam is known for her passion for people and facilitating positive change for anyone in need with an open mind. Remember that. Open mind. Is your mind open to the possibility that a broken relationship can be repaired? Pam's an executive coach and helping people discover their strengths to make life transformation. She's helped design and run several leadership programs at Arizona State University and continues to help organizations with executive staffing and team building. She appreciates her many opportunities to work with others, including me. Smile and being a part of their discovery process, including running Brene Brown Dare to Lead programs as a as a certified facilitator and a certified facilitator for conversational intelligence offered by Judith Glazier. So, folks, today it is an interesting conversation, and I hope you take a moment to listen to this in your life. What relationships have been broken, and why are they broken? Good morning, Pam. How are you? I'm doing well, Denise. Always excited to be able to be with you. And I really think today's discussion may be very helpful for a lot of people because I think this is at the corner or pinpoint of a lot of the issues that we feel, but we don't name it. Yeah. And we don't really like to talk about it because, you know, society says you have to learn to play in the sandbox with everybody, right? Just make good and be nice. <laughs> how, how, how often have we heard that one? Make good, right. be nice, boom, play and, in the sandbox. And I think that I, there's a couple of things that come to mind to me when we start talking about trust. One, trust can be very unique to individuals in terms of what it is that is like, God, but that's like my ultimate peak of if you do that, like that's going to break my trust. So we've talked in the past about personalities, behavior types, emotion, Mm -hmm. trust Mm -hmm. is part emotion Mm -hmm. and part expectation. Mm -hmm. And expectations aren't met and emotions run rampant. Now we're running on neurochemicals 
that really start indicating a lot of different things. Trust is also, you will, the unspoken, like in expectations, the unspoken expectations, and then the stories we create in our head when those expectations aren't met. And so to really get at the corner of trust, we have to unpack emotion, which some people don't like to do. And we have to unpack what is the story around this issue. And then when we look at the other side of the relationship, we have to go, how do I put myself in a safe space to talk with this other individual? And is this other individual ready to also repair the trust? Exactly. That's, that's, I mean, I've been reading several books just to get myself back up and go, okay, what are the most important things to think about here is when trust is broken, you have to understand that safety's first because sometimes trust is broken and you don't need to rebuild trust. Like that is a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't put yourself in harm's way. So Mm -hmm. there are times where either it is mental or physical or something else. That's like you leave, like Mm -hmm. forget it or Mm -hmm. don't go unless you have a third party present Mm -hmm. type situation. But if you're looking at one where you go, God, we've had a relationship before or something's went awry or maybe we got off to the wrong first step because we are also creatures of, of pattern and patterns of interaction. And we can very easily, even in a great relationship, create negative interaction patterns. And then all of a sudden go, God, what happened? Right. And so one of the things that's always been a great go-to for me was Brene's breaking down of braving when it came to trust and her research. She's like, what is trust? How do we explain trust? You know, how do we break that down? And she used the acronym of braving. So B is boundaries. What she says is, What's what's okay or what not's okay? What's not okay? And I find boundaries sometimes to be confusing for people. It's like boundary. What do you mean by boundary? What I don't get this. It's actually being able to express this is how I'd like you to treat me. And a lot of people don't like to do that, right? Well, I'm not sure people even know how they want to be treated. I mean, because those are all patterns from you know past. We think we know what you know. This whole thing of, you know, you started with, you know, let's be nice, you know, but what are the boundaries in being nice? You know, I don't say things that I think are going to hurt you. I don't tell you the truth when you've, you know, done something that I'm not sure I agree with. You know, when I think you're, you know, the whole bless your heart conversation, you know, those are all being nice, but aren't they, aren't they, you know, harmful in a way to your own? mental health and wellness? Absolutely. A person who is being nice to the other individual is trying to play cover up. But the reality is the emotions are still in the inside Mm -hmm. and they creep out in ways that we cannot control. Mm -hmm. The rolled eyeballs every now and then, the, you know, look of contempt where you blow up and and kind of, you know, look up and away. And so we can say one thing, but when our actions say something different, Mm -hmm. the other people pick up on that really right away. And it creates this cycle of negative interaction where the person could become critical and then you become defensive and then you want to just run away or you want to push back. And and then it's like, boom, boom, you just create this. And it happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so boundaries are something that we have to uncover. And I know when I've done the DISC assessment, it's been a great way because in there it says, here's how you like to be communicated to here is the best communication situation and here are the communication don't. And it's, everybody looks at it and goes, oh yeah. That makes sense. But we never talk about it. And it's great because that's one form of an assessment that actually goes, oh, like, yeah, this assessment says this. And then people feel like they can own it and say it because it's not like coming directly from me. It's just coming about something that's said about me mm-hmm. that I agree mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. But boundaries can be simple. If, if, you know, I had a director I worked with and he was a pleaser. Somebody came in and he was told that he was wishy-washy. And I said, explain to me wishy-washy. And he goes, well, you know, last week John ran in my office and he needed a decision and I'm getting ready to go to a meeting. And he kind of pushed me on it. And it's like, oh God, I got to tell him because I, I, I'm not going to be able to get back to him. And I said, well, then what do you do? And he goes, well, then I took the information home and I realized I made a mistake because I'd missed something in what was presented. And I went back the next day and I had to tell him no. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you have a boundary problem? And he was like, what? And I said, I looked at your profile. You're brilliant. You're genius. But you need 24 to 48 hours to make a good decision. You need to sit and process that information. And you have now let somebody in your group come to you at the last minute and ask you to do something that's not within your wheelhouse. 
So I said, you go back to the group and say, hey, I've been working with a coach. I realize now I need more time to make decisions. So I'm going to push back to you and say, give me information to make a decision, but you need to give me 24 to 48 hours. If you have a deadline approaching, you give me warning in advance and I will be better about giving you an accurate decision. And he was like, that's it. That's it. Next day, sends out the memo and it was like, wishy-washy gone. So sometimes boundaries are simple things like that, that just say, hey, I take time to process. Don't come to me and expect immediate decision, especially if it's a big deal. When I hear you talk about that, there was a time when, you know, everybody set ground rules for meetings, how we're going to talk. And so we think of, you know, so as people are listening to this, it's it boundaries are really what are the ground rules on how we're going to interact with each other? What is it that's going to do it? And the assessment, I, I love the fact that you brought it in is just simply a way in which we now understand each other a little better. And that intent, which is invisible, can now manifest in our behaviors. We can now say, oh, this is my intent. My intent is, is I'm not wishy-washy. I am actually trying to be a thoughtful person. But for me to think through it, I need this. You have, if you want to get a good decision, then you have to give me that. And so it's a reciprocal way of thinking about how our relationship is going to happen. They actually call it meta-communication, communicating about communicating, which is a crazy concept, but that's what we do. And we don't on a regular basis ever do that. Right. I have a conversation with you, Denise, and I go, hey, Denise, you know, next time we talk, I would really like you to address me like that. We don't do that. Yeah. But when we have difficulty, we have to break it down before we can build it up. Right. And it takes going back to that. So boundaries is definitely one of the first ones. And you know when they're broken because there's just that feeling in the gut. So we have to deal with the emotion and go, God, that really bothers me. Like I just... Okay, then you got to go, okay, I'm really bothered. That's okay. I have a feeling. What is it that needs to be fixed? What is it that triggers me? You know, like from behaviors, people will be triggered because they lose control. People will be triggered because they feel like the other person doesn't believe in them anymore. People will be triggered because their sense of security is gone, or they'll be triggered because, oh God, somebody's thinking critical things of me, right? Like Mm -hmm. just an example. Mm -hmm. So very important that we have that now. Mm When we're talking about trust as well, the second part of braving was reliability. And that's that you will do what you say. So if you say you're going to do something that you do it, because that's an easy way for trust to be broken. It sounds simple, but reliability is also sometimes a two-way street because this is one that we don't clarify enough. And this is where we get unrealistic expectations. Yeah, 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 yeah. You kind of do the fly and go, hey, Denise, you know, I've got that thing. Would you get that done for me by tomorrow? And Denise is like, well, Sure. Sure. I can do that. And in your head, you're thinking, God, I don't have time or damn, I don't really know what they want, but you're afraid to ask. And so you've committed to it. Right. And I come back the next day and go, Hey, Denise, get that done. And you're like, I know, or you go, well, yeah, here it is. And I look at it and go, God, Denise, that's not what I asked you to do on met expectation. So reliability is actually taking time to clarify. Here's what I expected. And this is what it looks like. Denise, put that back to me and explain to me what you heard so that I know we're on the same page. And I give you permission to ask questions. I think sometimes in leadership, we assume people are going to just ask the questions they need, but they're intimidated by leadership. They don't want to appear weak. They don't want to appear small. So like, I don't know if I want to ask that question. Right. By giving them permission to say, hey, ask any clarity. If I'm not good enough, like, let's make sure we get this straight now because that saves the broken trust later. Right. Because then if it didn't work out right, I'm going to go, I can't trust Denise. She says she's going to do it. Well, she doesn't, she doesn't get that done. Right now, I'm creating a story around you and I'm attributing it to your character. Right. And that's the well, other part that really happens. We have a yeah. tendency to go, when a task doesn't happen right, it's about you as an individual. Right. Right. But then when I think about myself, well, I didn't get that done because of XYZ. Well, it wasn't about me. Right. 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 Well, then the There's other side is that sometimes that. it's that interaction because one of the things I think. You know, leaders don't think from a position of I have the power to. They think of it from a very human place, right? So if right. I ask you for something and you really can't do it, I have an expectation that you come back and say, hey, I need to negotiate when you need it or I don't understand, et cetera. Right. Because they think from a human place first, not a leadership and what the power of the leadership does. The other side of it is, is I think sometimes we're thoughtless and somebody, you know, they catch us, you know, at that moment and they say, hey, you know, 
I need you to get this done. Here's the email. There's 15 of it. And, and we're not good at prioritizing or yep. sizing how difficult something is. And then we missed that expectation. And now there's something between me and you because I'm missing this expectation. I don't know if I want to talk to you about it. You know, oh, yep. I can't, you know, the rumor is that if I do this, I'm going to get fired. And I, and it, you know, I'm always, always amazed at, I say, I ask somebody and say, well, okay. So you go back and you tell them, Hey, I didn't understand. It didn't work. I, I miss an, I, I miscalculated these projects. I've got four of them with the same deadline. Help me make a decision. And the first thing they say, well, I'll get fired for that. I said, you're going to get fired because you asked the question. It's the story we tell ourselves. We correct our story. It makes it hard. All right. So what is A? Brave it. A A is accountability. And this is interesting because it says we have to own mistakes and apologize and make amends. Okay. And the big part of accountability to me is not just the sorry. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, yeah, Denise, I'm really sorry. I didn't get that done. No, it's like that sincerity of going, "Ah, Denise, I didn't get this done. I know this may have happened another time. Can we take some time to sit down? Because I want to make sure that we work through this so it doesn't happen again. And I want to own my part. I want to find out more from you. What can we set in place so that we don't end up here again? Right. That's mm-hmm. immense. And when I was looking in Mark Goldstein's book on talking to crazy, yeah. great book recommended for many because it's how to deal with irrational and impossible people in your life. And part of it is yourself. (laughs) Always a good one, you know, and he has just a great sense of humor and how he goes about it. But in his book, at one point, he talks about how do you get past the crazy, especially if it's somebody that's important. So I'll put that in it. If somebody important, somebody, you know, that will probably reciprocate and come back. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in that phrase. Like if you've got someone and they're not going to reciprocate, don't. Don't go there. Right. But when it, he says that you need to do the AEU technique, apologize, empathize and uncover. So very similar to what Brene talks about in accountability. So she says apologize. Right. And then the second part would be the own the mistakes. And then the last part is uncover. Now, in his uncover, it's very different. So in, in one of the examples he gives is between a wife and a husband and the wife has unmet expectations because she hasn't told her husband about it, but then she gets frustrated and then she kind of cries or she gets worked up and then her husband gets distant. He pulls away because I can't deal with an emotional wife. And then that feels makes her feel abandoned. And, and then it just starts the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, you have to break the cycle. You literally have to identify it and break the cycle. So he said, the first part is to just reach out and apologize. And he said, you can't do it until you're ready to make a sincere apology. Right. You can't just go, oh yeah, I'm sorry about that thing yesterday. No, it's that I really want to talk to you. And I want you to know that I realize that when I get emotional, it makes you want to run away. I had to take time and put myself in your shoes and see what that felt like from your perspective. And I really want to apologize for how I've been treating you. Whoa, wait a minute. You know, not to gender stereotype or anything like that, but go ahead. You know, us going, (laughs) us stopping and saying something like that to in the workplace. Oh, this isn't workplace. This was a relationship. Or even in our relationships. I mean, you know, the whole conversation, women are too emotional, men are not emotional, which is true. They're different. They show their emotions differently. That's a that's a tough conversation to be able to step back and sit and say. Absolutely. But I mean, in this example that he was talking about, the gal really was emotional. It wasn't like she was being expressive. She actually got to where she was screaming and Mm -hmm. crying profusely. So there was that emotion. I think in a workplace setting, I don't know if that would be necessarily the case. It might be something where you sit down and example, I had with the boss that I had at one time and I just said, hey, you know, can we revisit the last conversation we had? It was supposedly a a performance review. And I said, I just I'd like to address some things because I've had a chance to think about them. And she was like, sure, no problem. And I said, so I know for me right now, I need to back up even before that conversation because I think there's an issue that led into that conversation. And I think it was broken trust. Mm-hmm. And she kind of looked at me like, okay. And I went back to the scenario, which was the first time, because I had to think back, when did my opinion of her flip? 
Mm-hmm. When could I pinpoint the point in time where I was like, God, I don't know if I can trust her. Right. Yeah. And so that took a little digging, but I went back to it and I said, so I want to back up. And I shared the situation. I shared my perspective and then let her relay her side of the perspective. And we reached this new understanding. So the story I had in my head probably wasn't completely accurate, but at the same token, she could appreciate where I was coming from and where my story was created. Mm-hmm. And then it, because we did that, then she was, well, Pam, I have one on you. And she went back to a point in time where somebody told her something about me. And she said, so from that moment on, I didn't trust you. So what was really happening? And so we talked about it. And there was a misunderstanding of an emotional state that I was in. Mine was Mm -hmm. because because of my father's illness. And they related as something me to her because something was mentioned. And I was like, nope. And just doing that started to clear the air. Right. Breaking down that moment where trust was broken or what it was was about trust, like doing this braving, like you can look through each of those pieces of the acronym and go, yeah, here's where it was. It was this element that was broken or this element. And when we can pinpoint it, then we can repair it Mm -hmm. and we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so the, the EAU. Great. Glad you brought that up because I didn't want to bring it out as a sexist type of thing. And so having another example works, but you have to own some aspect of that part of me said or did something and then it affected you in a certain way. And to actually sit back and think about it. But again, it goes back to something you said very early on is you didn't say it this way, but one of the things that you talked about is, is this relationship worth us repairing? Mm-hmm. And what's the value of it? Can I just go along with, you know, this tension or am I only is this something once a year or am I right. going to interact with this person on a daily basis? Yep. 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 And you've got to make those assessments, at, not at the beginning, but maybe at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, because it takes a lot of courage to do this. What we're talking about is actually yeah. repair and rebuild a relationship. And the value of it is that if you get on the other side of it, you know, I talk about it in the book, there was a particular where it was two women, one was white, one was black, one was in customer service, the other was in accounting and came from an accounting and audit trail purpose. And so the whole dynamic of their history, as well as the perception was involved in it, but by working through and making a decision every level that they were going to repair it, they wound up being the best of uh, friends as well as did some amazing work. So it can have benefits. And so, you know, as I sit here listening, I could imagine somebody going, you got to be crazy. You think I'm going to go through all of this. I don't even like them that much or there's no way I could do this kind of thing. No, absolutely. I I used to teach small group communication and I would tell every group, the group in here that has to deal with the most difficult circumstance, whatever it be that comes up, is going to gain more and grow more in this class. And people would be like, yeah, whatever. And then you get to the end of the class and they had to share their growth process as their final project. Always happened. The group that had to face the person that got in an accident, the person that had to leave for illness and had to come back or had to find a way to remotely come in or whatever it was, when they got to the end and they had worked through that, they profoundly were stronger, better, and more equipped to go into being a part of their next team. And that's the same thing. So when we do this, it's like, again, if it's really important, going through this process is also going to help you build grounded confidence Mm -hmm. to do it again. It will help you build that understanding to catch when trust is broken early on. Right. Instead of creating a third, fourth, fifth loop of an interaction cycle. And by the time you get to that fourth or fifth loop, it's like, God, I can't stand this person. Like my heart is like pounding and I'm, you catch it and go, something didn't go right. Yeah, this is it. So very simply and subtly, it can say, hey, yesterday we were in that meeting and this kind of happened and I'm really curious or I'd like to fix or can we redo something like we can get in and repair things before they get to that detrimental point. And and then and if we can do that when we excuse me, when, because we can do it with some relationship and there's other relationships where it's just more difficult to do it. But when we do it, 
then we're we're taking care of our own mental well-being because the, the fact that we can't be around someone and they keep triggering us to be in a fear state, a cautious state, an untrusting state with them has, we know, physiological, body, physical kinds of repercussions on us. And long term, that really is damaging to our bodies itself. So the other part, just real quick, because there was the apologize, empathize and then uncover. Okay. And in this one where he says that something has been really to that scary part, the other part is to actually uncover and give permission for the negative stories that the other person might felt. And this is that real aspect of getting into the shoes and going, God, if I do this, here's the reaction. This is how I might perceive it. And I did this with a director recently that had a write-up done on him. And we just went through the disc as an example. And I knew what the other profile was of the person. And I just said, so when you're like this, did you know that the other person perceives you potentially like this? And he'd be like, oh, my God, are you serious? That wasn't my intent. And so it was this aha moment for him to perceive himself from the other viewpoint. And he said, Pam, everybody should have to go through this because if I had known that I would have never done this like, or whatever, like right, he right, right. a greater awareness. So There's again, power always good to understand and uncover that part. So the vault, the V is for vault. And that is where we disclose information or talk about information that is not ours to share mm-hmm. or we dish on people about things that we shouldn't share. This kind of the rumor mill, the we feel water cooler talk, except in COVID, I think it became the copy to email routine yeah. where people were copied on things that they shouldn't have been copied on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the vault is an interesting one too, because we as humans sometimes will share because we're trying to build rapport, build a relationship, right? Because if I share, you'll share. And mm-hmm. we may just not share what we should be sharing, right? And it's easy to slip into this. I know the other day I was really tired and I'm talking to somebody and it was like, oh God, I shouldn't have said that. And you can't take back what's already said, right. but you can at least circle back and go, that was really inappropriate. And I didn't really mean to bring that out quite how that came out. But the vault can be very easy to, to break things with people and then not have the person express. So I could say something and it offended, like how it came out offended you, Denise, in a meeting. And then you're just like, I'm never going to talk to Pam again. I can't believe she did that to me. And then you're going to kind of react to me in certain ways because of it. And I'll be like, what's up Denise's bit? I don't remember doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. So it can happen that subtle where we don't communicate about something that really upset us. Maybe just that, you know, pee in the bed, but it rubbed you the wrong way. And so forever after, then you start responding and then we just create this escalation and we go back and it's like you unpack that moment and it could be just you coming up and saying, hey, Pam, you know, in the meeting the other day. I don't know if you realize it, but I shared something with you in confidence and you brought it up in the meeting and that really hurt me. And I'd be going, oh God, well, I'm so you know, sorry. Like, I just, that's a, yeah, that's an example of one that often happens because of unintentional or mindlessness, right? But right. the other one is the one I, I, I always warn people about is just general gossip. You know, information oh. is power and I know you don't know and you know, that one person who's always knowing stuff and then sharing. When you start sharing information about somebody else, it immediately triggers other people to say, if you're talking about that person like that behind their back, what are you saying about me? Yep, absolutely. It is. And we don't think about it like that. Yeah. And it's easy to do, especially like, I want to say the meeting after the meeting. Yeah. You can be in a meeting and there's supposed to be things that happen and you get out of the meeting like, God, did you hear Sue in that meeting? Like she is just plum crazy. There's no way we're going to get that stuff done. Mm -hmm. But in the meeting, we're not willing to speak up and say, hey, Sue, I I kind of question your idea. And so the important part about the vault too is one that we can identify when we're doing it, stop it. But that we also try to stop other people from tripping into that vault. Right. To be aware of that and go, God, you know, Denise, I know you're kind of upset with so-and-so. My suggestion is you go, just go talk to her. Like, I don't want to be in the middle of it. I think if you've got to be, if you got to do it, or, you know, Denise, in that meeting, you're coming to me and telling me something that you're really upset about, but you didn't express it in the meeting. So my suggestion is, is go talk to the person's in charge of the next one and get yourself on the agenda. And let's bring Mm -hmm. this up because it's important, but don't waste talking to me about it. Let's talk to everybody about it. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, you're sharing stories about that person's life. I don't right. I don't know that you have permission from them to do that. Exactly. Another one. Yep. Any anything like that that helps us get out of being in the middle of the vault where missharing is happening puts the other person not from a like, oh God, Denise, you're always like gossiping, like not that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But just 
to subtly let them know it, that's just inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to be in the middle or I don't think that's the case or that's not how I've seen that person before. Or maybe you don't understand something that's going on with them. Maybe you should talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and help them to clarify their own stories. If they're venting about something and they've got a story, it's like, hey, maybe you need to go talk to the other person and, and, right. and clear up the story you've got. Make sure that that was really the other person's intent. I don't know, but I'm not going to be in the middle of it. You go go deal with it. Right, right. Next one's I. Integrity. Now, this one is kind of interesting because it says, choose courage over comfort. Choose what's right over what's fun, faster, easy, and practicing values, not profess them. And so to me, integrity sometimes is on the personal side, but there's sometimes where we look at someone and go, God, they don't practice what they preach. Mm. So the other person is not being of integrity, right? Mm -hmm. So on our side, if we don't know what we value, we don't know what we stand for. And I do it as a part of the workshop where we actually kind of go through and say, pick your top two values. And so people go, I don't know, I've got like five. And I was like, well, The reality is if you've got five to other people, you're wishy-washy because you never know which one you're going to put on top. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to going, this is what's most important to me. And so acting with integrity is then going, when I go to make a decision, I know I need to do X. It might not be easy. It might be that uncomfortable conversation I need to have, but because this is something that's really important as a part of my value set, I need to have it. What I find interesting on integrity is when we're not operating within our integrity, we start to feel really gross and icky inside. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't placed what our values are, so like the director I was talking about that was wishy-washy, right? When I told him that one of the things I kind of get a sense of, and he agreed, was that he really wanted to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important to him. Right. But then he got pushed. So in his integrity, when he made this short minute decision, he felt horrible for the rest of the day. Right. He felt pushed and he was like, God, I don't know. And then he'd go home and he'd look at it. And so it just created that moment of, ugh, you know, so for him to then decide, I need to put the boundary down because she'll often say we have to live big. We have to have the boundaries that allow us to live within our integrity so that we can be generous, which is the last one, kind of the bookends, right. the boundaries and generosity. The integrity piece is that part in the middle where we know we're operating and do what we need to do. Right. You know, and and so it's it's knowing what's important and acting on it. When we act on what we know is important, we feel better about who we are. Right. When we fudge on that a little bit or we avoid a difficult conversation that we know we should have, then it's almost like we break trust with ourselves. So that's the other thing that's really important. Brene talks about this braving, not just in terms of relationship to other, but our relationship to ourselves. Right. And the integrity one is the one that sometimes we break on ourselves. And really then- easily. Yeah, we feel bad about who we are. Really. Then also carries over into the relationship because then people are sensing your own lack of trust for yourself, but that is kind of felt like you don't trust them. Mm-hmm. And then it adds a layer. And mm-hmm. so it's also important to go through this and go, where do I need to act so that I trust myself better? Sometimes it's the boundary. I need to say no because mm-hmm. when I do, it allows me to operate better in my integrity. It allows me to do what it is that I feel is important. And so the big part here again is that we understand what the values are and that we don't just profess them, but that we actually then let people know. I've actually done it in groups. It's really been a fascinating thing to do where they all pick their values or what's important to them. And then they pick the team values, what's important as a team. And there are some times where people go, God, I never knew that about you. Like that's wow, that makes a dis- that makes a difference in how I perceive things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes oh. the other part when people don't know what they value. Mm-hmm. and they do it with a team, there will be people that actually can go back and say, you know what, based on all your decisions, I would say this is your value because it hands down has been the one that you do. I think we yeah. were even in an interaction with yeah. we the training and there was another yeah. person in the group with us and she was like, I don't know, what am I in And then it was like, oh God, no, this, this. She was like, <laughs> I didn't know that. Right, right, you know? So, and, and that's the thing, we're all perfectly aligned with what our values are. We, even if we're not conscious of it, we are, you know, and some some values people think, you know, are not OK. You know, I should be this because this is what's required of me at work. And it goes against the value that I have. So, you know, the whole anytime that you have would, should, could, you got a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your values? One of my top ones has always been, I want to say knowledge, but was interesting. I kind of moved it to curiosity. Because knowledge is like, I know it, which 
can lead me to, I know I'm right. Yeah. Which is a weakness. And so I was like, God, no, I need to move to curiosity, which leaves me and keeps me in an open mindset. Yeah. Yeah. How can I approach this with curiosity to understand something that I don't? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the second one for me was always kind of, I want to say working with people or supporting people. And in, I would say my last five to six years, that kind of moved into saying leadership Mm -hmm. because I really felt like I moved into a new space of influence. And so it just made me more aware of, it's not just that I'm trying to help people, but I really need to be aware of how am I actually creating that influence and what impact is that influence having good or bad? And so, so, so here's what I hear is as we continue to live, as we continue to learn, our values evolve. They can, yes. And go through different parts of life, circumstances, you know, go into retirement, different things. It's always good to go back and kind of revisit. I will say that my top values, again, kind of core right there, but like, oof, yeah, no. When I went to it, I was like, yeah, definitely in this, I've moved into this right now. And that's right, right, important. right. Good discussion. And all right, non judgment. And they'll tell you that <laughs> our brain is wired for judgment. And this one is the one that is about the stories. Yeah. So it says, I can ask for what I need and I can ask for what you need. And we can talk about how we feel without judgment. Right. Right. And so that is so, so hard, but it is that part to recognize have I is is the story I'm telling myself about why I don't trust you moved into a judgment of who you are. Yeah. Because if I hold you in judgment and I walk in the room with that judgment sitting on my shoulder, your armor's gonna go up. Mm-hmm. Right? Protection. And your protection. protection Every, right? All the your instincts are gonna be to protect. I'm gonna I'm gonna be putting you in yeah, protect mode. Like I'm the things the way I say it, everything else is gonna come out subtly Posture. and you're gonna go yep. into armor up. I'm going to be like, mm, mm, and we're going to go ping, ping, ping. We're not going to talk about trust. We're not going to get to the core of it. We're yeah. going to be like constantly, <laughs> yep, constantly protecting ourselves from what we think is going to happen, which Correct. stops communication altogether. And non-judgment from what Brene always puts us in the spot. She said, that is that we go in and go, this person is doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard, especially for perfectionists. Like my immediate response was like, oh, hell no, I'm not. How are they? Right. We jump into that space. And yet if we really stop to think about situations where we didn't quite perform, we can usually look to, God, I was really tired. I had these other things on my plate or something. Right. Or in a simplistic thing, when we are in a car driving down the road and somebody cuts us off, our first thing is like, God, what an idiot. Like, Mm -hmm. what were they thinking? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can't see, we can't feel that person. We attribute it to their character, right? Now, if I'm in the car and I have my little GPS on, which has happened more than I like to say, (laughs) and I have to take a right turn and I'm in a place I've never been and I realize, God, I'm not in the right lane. And now all of a sudden I'm cutting somebody off. Oops, I'm really sorry, but they can't hear it. I'm the idiot, right? Yeah. And so to get to that point of non-judgment is hard but it's just being curious enough to ask enough questions of what else is impacting this person that I'm not aware of that has potentially brought them to the state that they're at. Mm -hmm. Like this didn't happen. That performance didn't happen. I need to be very generous in it. And I need to go in being curious so that I don't go in with the prejudgment. And if I do have a story in my head, it's going in with the idea of you know, Denise, the last time we were together, you were a little bit short with me and that's that's just not like you. And I I was kind of getting an idea that I might have offended you somewhere down, you know, in the past or something like that. So can can we just, did, did, did I do something? What mm-hmm. was going on? And you could come back at that point and go, God, no, was I short yesterday? God, that must've been because of da, 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 da. Right. Oh, okay, not me, just a situation. Or you could come back at that point and go, yeah, you know what? The last time we were together, you did X, Y, Z. And I got to tell you, it left me a little bit, whatever, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Right. And then we. It was a thoughtless moment on my part. And and it could be. I didn't speak this morning. I always speak or I spoke to, you know, five other people and, and I did see you, but I just didn't call your name out or. It could be, you know what, I just came out of a really tough performance review or I've got something on my mind or my debt or the deadly budget, you know, because budgets are coming up mid-year and I, you know, I'm getting my butt chewed out and, you know, I was 
short because of that, not because of you. Right. And so this one is really important for us as leaders to kind of look at as well, because non-judgment goes also for us because there's mm-hmm. times that we hold ourselves in big judgment. Perfectionism. It's not just about the other person, but us. if I go in and I've got judgment over my head about something, I'm bringing heavy emotion into a situation that's going to compound the problem. Right. right. So we have to have enough self-compassion and self-understanding to go, yeah, maybe I did screw, screw up myself, but then to also go in and go, hey, I'm going to be generous and I'm not going to go in with, you know, whatever. And so this is the other part about going in and having these discussions. You as an individual need to go through and work through this about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you need to go through and work through this so that you know what it is that you're going to have as your talk point when you get together with the other person. Mm-hmm. And what's the outcome you think you might want? Forgiveness, a new method of how you're going to interact, a new boundary set for what's going to improve communication, what whatever that is, you have to at least have some thoughts about what that is. But then also be open-minded that you might be blown away. There'll be something else that comes out from it. But to go in without expectations, without thinking about it, lines you up for trouble mm-hmm. because the person on the other end is going to go, Oh, great. You're just going to dish on this. And what, what did you really want? And you go, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You have to go in with something. So the non-judgment again, huge, but very difficult because we tend to be judgmental of ourselves and we like a, a perfectionist. Then we also tend to be more judgmental of people in the area that we are susceptible Mm -hmm. So I know Brene in her example says that she really, really struggled being a professional mother and not taking time with her kids. About the fact, Oh God, Brene, you were gone for a week. Like who watched your kids? Like she has a shame, like coming over her like crazy. And it wasn't that the other person caused that shame. That was an internal shame to her, but it was triggered by the external comment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's the part to really kind of figure out what's going on. In that case, Brene could be gone. God, I was really offended by that statement. Oh man, it's me. I need to understand that. And then the conversation to follow is to go back. Hey, yesterday you were telling me, you know, how do I handle my kids? I got to really know that's a sore spot for me, but not because of what you said, but because it's really important for me to be with my kids. So I would just like you to be mindful not to make comments about how my mother, because it has nothing to do with work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I'm putting yeah. a boundary down, but I'm expressing kind of where my frustration came from and owning my part of it, as well as letting the other person know that that's just not a good topic to talk about. with me. Right. Right. OK. Right. Last one is G generosity. And that's extending the most generous interpretation in words and actions of others. And they kind of to me, the non-judgmental and generosity kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because- Can't do one without the other. Right. In order to be non-judgmental, I have to be generous and I have to in my head at least go. Okay, what's at least one potential scenario that could have happened that would have caused this? Mm-hmm. And so it's then, you know, just going out and saying, hey, you know, I have no idea. Please explain to me what, what you know, what happened. This isn't like you, whatever. But it's just that that thing to go, I don't know the whole story mm-hmm. and I'm willing to hear the other side until I can understand it. Yeah. Well, the other side is, is assuming no bad intent. I mean, ultimately... Correct the bigger possibility and what happens more frequently is people are, you know, we're all living inside our own head. And what, what I don't understand is, is that, you know, what intent, what story did you assign to what you saw me do, which might be something that I had no idea that that was, that was happening in any way, shape or form. It's just, I've always acted like this. I didn't know that offended you. And to be able to give a generous story or a generous give some level of generosity to say that I accept the fact that you didn't intend to do it, but that goes back to, do I see it happening again? Which I think is where trust really goes in the toilet. I tried to have a conversation. I might go through all of this, the braving, B-R-A-V-I-N-G, every last one of them. I may go through all of them. We have a sit down, we have a conversation. Two weeks, we walk out of the room, you know, later, And it happens again. Now I feel betrayed because we had this conversation. It was tough having that conversation in the first place, right? Now I got to come back and remind you of that conversation. And it could be anything from in the workplace. You told me you weren't going to, you know, you've been on cell phone a lot. You said you weren't going to be on the cell phone to diversity, equity, inclusion kinds of conversations. You said this, it felt like you were judging me because of my race, my gender, my age 
something like that. And then two weeks later, a month later, I'm back in this feeling of you just violated what we talked about. I think that's when trust this whole relationship thing slides right into the toilet and we're about ready to flush it out the door because I told you once, you don't know how hard it was for me to say this the first time. And now you did it again? Okay, so which out of the braving areas does that one affect the most? (laughs) Every one of them. Which one? Boundaries? Well, there's there's the reliability Reliability, that they were going to do, but it comes down to the fact that the next time you go in, it is really hard to be generous and it's really hard not to go in without judgment because strike on you. We went through it and it didn't happen. And so if it is one of those cases where you sat down, you worked through it and something didn't happen, the next meeting and that conversation has to be, I don't, I'm not even going to reiterate anything. I, I'm going to have a heart and being honest, I have a hard time being curious, but I need to understand, is it a case where something truly happened, explain to me, or that you're really not going to make the commitment to this, which is a different conversation, especially between leaders subordinate. But I find that that second case is the one where maybe the, the one person is in the meeting, they're still terrified and they're still doing that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in their head, they still haven't been honest with themselves and they haven't been honest with what they've stated back. So that becomes the only way then to have generous, like, hey, we met on this before. I'm just curious if you were still overwhelmed and there's something that you didn't express that we really need to get the core of, mm-hmm. right? Because that can be the case still. Like, yeah. oh my God, no one's ever done this to me before. Like, oh, they've got to be yanking my chain. Like, I don't, right? And right. so they're still being nice. They're still saying, right. yeah, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh, sure. And so that's that part of, did we do it? And and that brings to mind this other part from Just Listen on Mark Goldstein, which is another book that he has. Mm -hmm. And he says, through this process of, of trying to connect, we really have to have the other person feel felt. Yeah. So his AEU, that process of apologizing, empathizing, and uncovering is so that we get to the core of, I actually have tried to feel your side. Mm-hmm. I have tried to see it from your side, even though I can't completely comprehend it. I'm doing my best attempt to do that so that you feel like I've honestly tried to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this so hard because that that level of openness is a trust that I'm trying to open up because we build trust in small increments and I'm opening up a door and going, okay, I'm giving it one more try. And if that person closes, that that's really hard to open that door. So the first part of it is that we have to get to that point that there's a deep again identification of potential sympathy and understanding and affection for the general humanness or human being mm-hmm. in the process of what's happening. When we feel kinship and connection, then we are members of the same family. Right. Right. We're we're a part of this team, we're a part of something when we have that feeling of being felt for who we are. Mm-hmm. And so that's that real difficult side. Because again, I go back to the very first thing. If the other person isn't willing to play, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so as you also talked about the ground rules, it may be something that when we come back and say, hey, we need to have a conversation. Let's put some ground rules down here about what's what's going to keep us safe, you know, the safety ground rule or the scarf right. rules or whatever. And sometimes power is one of those things that we need to address or our race or our gender may be something that we need to address and just say, hey, I know I'm younger than you and you're older than me and I'm the leader of you. And I know sometimes that can be difficult. So I just want to make sure we bring that out and 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 put that aside because we need to get to the issues that really resolve. It could be the power situation and go, God, I, I know that I'm the leader. And I know sometimes as a leader that what I say for other people comes across as the absolute rule and everything else. But I just want you for a moment to put aside that I'm a leader and I'm just here having a conversation with you because I'm just as human as you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I have so many other questions that I want to ask, but unfortunately, (laughs) we've run out of time. And, you know, guys, there, this is one of those conversations that has so many nuggets to it. I suggest that you bookmark coming back and having another conversation about it, and as well as go back to some of the previous conversations that Pam and I have had 
and some of the other people that we've talked about on, on the podcast about this idea of how do you repair trust? How do you go forward when trust is broken, especially in the workplace when you have to see this person or have to interact with this person over the long term? Because it's just not, you know, there are just a lot of other reasons in the workplace that you might love the work. Everything may be perfect except this relationship with this one person. And you don't want to give up everything because this relationship has has broken. The next time around, one of the things we're going to talk about is because oftentimes these issues of trust land on the feet or at the doorstep of the human resources department, HR. And boy, you talk about issues of trust. Do I trust that they will be confidential? Do I trust that they will have the kinds of skills necessary to work through this? Is it going to show up on my performance review? All of those things go through the mind in a workplace about who can I trust to help me think through how to handle a relationship that is broken. One last thing I want to add, though, is be realistic. Mm-hmm. One conversation is not going to mend a relationship that has been in a negative interaction pattern for a while. This mm. is a process and it takes time. I have worked with individuals that were on the verge of suing each other because it was just so like tension. It took me good four to five months to get them to the point that they could be present in the room and to have a normal conversation. Yeah. The good part is they both wanted to work at it. And they now have a very good working relationship and have still been working together now for several years and have been able to move past that point. So it is yeah. possible, but be patient and be patient with yourself and the other mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Generous. How about generous? Generous, yes. <laughs> hey guys, you know what I'm going to say. If you liked it, share it. If you don't like it, share it. Because I guarantee this one really will start a conversation that will help you close the gap, get you from where you are now to where you want to be tomorrow. What are those goals that you've been putting off? Because the relationships that you have around you are not serving you in the form that they are right now. Are you ready to rebuild so that you could move forward? Oh, the other thing is, as you know, every month I have the community chat. Please go to my website, RemarkableLeadershipLessons.com, so that you can sign up to just listen in on conversations that I have or me standing there going deeper into these kinds of conversations, as well as asking questions from our viewers. We'd love to have you send in a question, show up for it, whatever, so that we can serve you and help you close the gap. And with that, here it goes. Hey, Pam, what do we say? See ya. (laughs) It's over. Bye. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.